Those that know me, I'm feeling a little cramped today up here. <laughs> I never know how much I'm going to move. Um, I don't know where to start because I have my own startings, but then sometimes I feel differently. I was just thinking, um, Ken, shame on us if it's only yours and Ali's hobby horse. Um, and, but I think, you know, it's true. We don't. We don't speak about global mission. We don't speak about a lot of things. I was thinking, after I got prayed for, I came and sat down and I just turned to my sons and said, oh, if you'd like, you can go up for prayer. Now, I don't normally talk about my children because it's not always right, but sometimes we need to share things. And, 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 and they said, oh, no, we're okay. We don't need any prayer. And I, and I said, uh, what they thought was that, you know, when you have a great need, you come up and you receive prayer. That's when you go up. Do we not have a great need for more of the presence of God? As a minister, I, I come up and I minister, but I tell you, I need ministry. I need to be ministered to so much, so much. If I can take any opportunity to have somebody lay hands and say, may you be empowered by the Holy Spirit, May you be filled with more of your presence. I'll take that opportunity. And what I neglected to say, I realised after my boys hadn't gone up, I thought I hadn't prepared people properly and I hadn't told the people at home what to do as well. What were they doing while we were praying? Never, ever, ever come to worship as an onlooker. You're not just an onlooker and you're not just a spectator. So if there were people up here praying, each of us should have been sitting in our seats praying along with them. We can do that. Nothing's stopping you from praying for anyone and everyone around you. Pray, pray, pray. If you're at home, we should have been praying for you, knowing that there are people that watch that can't be here. Let's pray for those that are with us in worship today, but not with us. And may they pray for us. Now let's see where this fits with my introduction. <laughs> it fits somewhere. I felt that it fitted somewhere. Um, I think it's this. Um, I, I thought today, Pentecost Sunday, let's keep it light, it's fun, let's celebrate the, the birth of the church. But I look at the passage that we've got today and it, I, have to, I, have to, I have to follow the tone of the passage and it is, it's a passage of warning, that's what it is. It's a passage of warning, so I have to take that tone. It's, it's a passage of warning. As I go through a couple of quick technical things, um, uh, what I'd like you to do is hold this question in your mind. How far can we go before we're outside of the kingdom? How far can we go before we're just no longer able to be a part of it? I'll put it another way. Um, what are the minimum requirements? You know, what are the minimum requirements for being a disciple? What are the minimum requirements for being a Christian? Or even more pointedly, what are the minimum requirements to be a member of St. Mark's? What are the minimum requirements? Of course, naturally our minds tell us this is a wrong question. Of course our minds tell us that. But the reason why we have to ask it is because our hearts are asking this sort of question all of the time. Our minds won't allow us to actually articulate what our hearts are experiencing 
but nonetheless our hearts are experiencing this all the time. What are the minimum requirements to be a follower of Jesus? So in our passage today, um, it's all about our response to the person of Jesus. It's all about our response to the message he brings. And he's bringing a message about the kingdom of God. The beginning of chapter 8, you'd need to read the beginning of chapter 8, tells us that. It says, Jesus travelled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what he was doing. These three stories, um, there are three stories. But before I say that, so these three stories or these three parts are all about our responding to Jesus' good news of the kingdom of God. And so there's one parable, one proverbial saying, and one bit of historical narrative. One parable, the parable of the sower. We're quite familiar. A lot of people will be familiar with the parable of the sower. And a parable is a story which has spiritual hidden meaning sometimes. Um, And then a proverbial saying. You might have heard of the word proverb. A proverb is a short statement, which is like a wise saying. The early bird catches the worm. It's good for the bird, not so good if you're an early worm. (laughs) I'm not sure how that works, but... Apparently that's a wise saying. Um, So a proverbial saying, is it's a little bit more than just a little short pithy statement. So Jesus makes some comments about light, doesn't he? Light and putting it on a stand, not hiding it under a bed. Um, And so there's a wise saying there. That's how we sort of classify that. And then there's a bit of historical narrative. Narrative is story. Historical because it's not a fictional story. It's not made up. We believe that this happened, that Jesus' mother and brothers came looking for him and then that's what unfolded. And so that's a bit of historical narrative. So all three of these things are all about how are people responding to Jesus and the good news of the kingdom of God. All three stories are about that. And so in our first story in the parable, how is it a warning? Did you hear the warning in it? Um, So so all all the people that were gathered heard the parable, but only the disciples asked him what it meant. And he said, the kingdom, uh, sorry, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that, and then he quotes Isaiah, listen to this, Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Sounds like a judgment. The parables are being spoken so that though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. That seems a strange thing. That Jesus is giving a message that people are not going to see and they're not going to understand. That seems a bit strange and wrong and harsh. It's a bit of a sounds like a judgment of God. How can that be? How does that make sense? But it's clear here that the secrets of the kingdom are given. There were those who were seeking and there were those who were asking. When God spoke these words to Isaiah and told him what his mission was, that he was to go and speak, and and the words that he was going to speak, people would be seeing but not seeing, they would be hearing but not understanding, This was after a period where people had already made their choice. People had neglected 
hearing prophet after prophet, word after word. God was coming and speaking over and over, bringing the message, and people were closing their hearts. Sometimes God's judgment is simply a matter of a, it's almost like a a natural consequence. It's like, okay, all right, if that's the way you want to go, okay, says God. And this judgment is simply a response to those whose hearts have already been hardened, to those who are turning or walking away. But have hope. God can turn the hardest heart. But this is a warning to get us to think about. So the question we're left with is, what soil are we? What soil are we? When we look at that passage, what soil are we? Because the seed, the word is sown, what sort of soil are we? Is it the kind of soil that will bear fruit? Well, if you want to Uh, hear what the good soil sounds like. This is what it sounds like. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it. They hold on to that word. And by persevering, produce a crop. Why persevering? Because we know riches and pleasures, temptations, Worries and struggles will come. You will need to persevere. You'll have to hold on to that word and persevere. And so it's a warning. What kind of soil are you? In our second uh, story or proverbial saying, um, we hear about light. And I need to quickly explain this because uh, we might immediately misunderstand what the light is in reference to. Why? Because only a few chapters later, Luke speaks of light in chapter 11. And he's speaking of the light in us. Um, he talks, it's talked about uh, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it is hidden. Sounds just like what Jesus has said, right? And um, it then goes on to say, um, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. So the light there is a reference to the light in us. And then some of you may remember Matthew Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's, again, about the light in us. So we think maybe that's what's being spoken of. But if you look in the context, the context, as we've said, is actually all about how people are responding to Jesus and his message. He's the light. So listen carefully. No one lights a lamp and and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Now, listen carefully. This is the part that gets a bit strange. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or be brought out into the open. So all of a sudden, this light is an exposing light, a revealing light. It's a light that will reveal what's really there. That sounds like the light of Jesus. That sounds like his message and it revealing things. Because if you read the next verse, it says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. So consider carefully how you listen. What are we supposed to be listening for? This has all been about Jesus going out and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. How do we listen? 
Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. All of that sounds strange if we're talking about our light. But if it's Jesus' light and his light reveals what's really there and what's really truth. See, I, I have this picture that when Jesus returns, sometimes people reckon they've got their defence ready for why I didn't follow, why I didn't believe. But I promise you, all those defences will, in, in the glory of the light of Christ, it will be clear. You'll go, oh, God is fair. Oh, he was speaking. Oh, I turned away at that point, at that point, at that point, at that point. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be no confusion. In the light, you'll see what you really had. Those that have will be given more. Those that have accepted the secrets and the, the good news of the kingdom, they will receive more knowledge and more secrets of the kingdom. Those that thought they had something will realise they actually didn't have what they thought they had. The truth that they thought they had wasn't really truth at all. In the face of the one who calls himself the way, the truth and the life. So the second story is also, and that leaves us with a question too. It leaves us with the question, what will the light reveal about how you listen? What will the light reveal about how you listen? Did you catch that? It was really strange. It's not um, consider carefully what you listen to. It's consider carefully how you listen. At the start, I said that these are a, this is a warning passage. Do our hearts close because God can only speak to us in certain ways? There are certain things I can hear from God. If he asks me to do something hard or tough, if he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. If, if God asks something of me that is too hard or too big, or, or, if, or if he speaks to me in a manner that I don't like, do I close my heart? What did Jesus say? Let those who have ears hear. In the book of Revelation, um, as Ken read from, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, that phrase is also used, let, let, let those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Sometimes we don't want to hear. So we must consider carefully how we listen. I can tell you when I'm in the wrong and when I've done wrong, I was thinking of all the ways in which I was very irritable this week, very irritable. <laughs> it's very hard to hear sometimes when God wants to speak to us about things that are wrong about us, things that need to be confessed. But let those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying. And then our final story, um, or Jesus and his brother, uh, sorry, the mother, Jesus' mother and brothers come and um, he's told about it, but he replies, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So the final story leaves us with the question, how is our faith or how is your faith expressed? My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. It's, it's, it, it, the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of ideas and nice sentiment. 
It's a movement. It's expressed. It's a movement that will go out to the ends of the earth. It's a global movement. But it's a movement. It's expressed. You see it. Sometimes you don't immediately see it, like putting a seed in the ground. You don't keep digging it up to see if it's growing. Sometimes there's a bit of trust going on. There are things happening sometimes in the kingdom of God growing. And we can't see it, but eventually it will come up out of the soil and it will be seen. It will be visible. I'd love to just play that um, slideshow again that um, Ken and Ali put together. Or Ali put together. I, I could say, what does the kingdom look like? Oh, it looks like that and that and that and that. And that and that and that. You see it. It's, 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 it's expressed. My, brother, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. It's a movement. It's expressed. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Andrew was preaching about John the Baptist? He was arrested, put in prison. He sends two of his disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you the one? And what does Jesus say? Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You see it. It's, it's, the kingdom of God is evident. And it's most evident and was most manifest in the person of Jesus. When he walked the earth, there was the kingdom of God right there. I don't like to think of drawing a line in the sand and saying, here's the insiders, here's the outsiders. I rather think of kingdom proximity. There are some who are far from the kingdom, there are some who are near, and there are some who have become an embodiment and manifestation of the kingdom itself. Kingdom proximity. How near, how close. So close that we just embody it, we express it, The more, well, Jesus ascended. He ascended. But you see, the more that we embrace the Holy Spirit who was sent to us, the very presence of God, the more we become an expression of the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom? We've spoken about it. It's seen. It's transformation. It's wholeness. For those that are new to St. Mark's, you may not know our mission statement, to be an authentic expression of God's transforming presence in Emerald and the Hills. To be an authentic expression. We are, as a community, a living expression of God's transforming presence in Emerald and the Hills. And if we allow ourselves to the ends of the earth, it's true, in a, in a church's size, if we can't raise up two or three that want to go beyond emerald and across the seas and oceans, then we're not proclaiming all of the gospel and all of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, which is a global mission movement. And it's a warning passage, but it's not, it's never, never hear God's word as feel guilty. It's always, get free. It's never feel guilty. It's hear these words and get free. 
The good news of the kingdom has come. Get free. Draw near. Draw near to Jesus. Receive this message. The question we started with, how far can we go before we're outside the kingdom? Yeah, it's the wrong question. Of course it is. You don't enter into a relationship and go, what are the minimum requirements here? I don't think of my relationship with Viv or my job as a father and go, what are the minimum requirements here? What are the minimum requirements I can just get by? Love doesn't ask that question. The disciples have thrown it all in. They're following. They've thrown it all in. Everything. It doesn't matter. I'm not there. I'm not. Without exception, every Christian life is a life of compromise. Sorry if you didn't realise that. We've all compromised. But... The hope is that as we continue to walk as far as we can, today, tomorrow, what step will we take to draw near, nearer to the kingdom, nearer to Jesus? What what little step? Because one degree, one degree, because we know what happens with one degree, anyone that works in engineering, one degree off, and as it goes out, it goes quite far. You end up in a completely different trajectory. But someone will say, well, I don't have many years left. I'm not sure what one degree will do. No, no, no. We're talking about eternity. You have no idea what your one degree, your decision today. If you die tomorrow, your decision today, you have no idea what it will achieve in eternity. Our vision is so small. It's so small. Part two of Luke, Acts, he wrote Acts. It says that Jesus spent 40 days with them giving them convincing proofs that he was alive. And it says he was teaching them about what? The kingdom of God. What was he doing for 40 days? Teaching them about the kingdom of God. Their first question to him, a few verses later, is, is this the time you restore the kingdom to Israel? He just been teaching about the kingdom of God. Their vision is small. Our vision is small. We think, what does one little change do? I, I should be like this, or I should be like that. Well, I know I'm not like that. But if I make the small change... And Jesus, of course, doesn't answer their question about, is this the time? But he sort of does answer their question because he says to them, it's not for you to know the times, only the Father knows the time, not even the Son knows, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Their vision is, is this the time you'll restore it to the kingdom of Israel? He pushes their vision out to the kingdom of God. It's time to draw near Church, it's time to draw near. Cultivate a love for Jesus. Cultivate a love for Jesus. Draw near as a disciple. Draw near as a disciple, not as an onlooker. If you come as an onlooker, you won't see. Come as a disciple, willing to follow and go in his name. Amen.